0: started something different a couple weeks ago, and you may have noticed on the uh, back side of your announcements, our list of the verses I reference. And Yes, they do look like little check boxes, so if you're one of those people that have to do that kind of thing. But um, some of them I, I actually use in the message, um, and so uh, you're welcome to use that way. Some of them are just ones that I referenced in, in preparing the message, so it's a good way to do a little self-study, or if you missed something I said, you can, you can look back on those. And this morning, I really want to sh- I want to share something that that was pretty neat. And that was this morning. I called a Bible study. It's, it's more of a Bible discussion. Um, I get to talk now, but at eight thirty, I like when we all talk. and And we talked this morning about the Sabbath and what it means, when it is, um, what the Bible says we're supposed to do, what Jesus uh, said we're supposed to do with it. We talked about what our individual decisions are and how we're going to do it. and And um, I just really want to encourage you to be here first and, and third Sundays at 830 uh, to participate in this. And, and it's very casual and uh, enjoyed it. And we actually did an icebreaker this morning. And the question was, do you remember what the question was? It was, what is something extremely common that you've never done yourself? Now I'm not trying to tease you, but there were some good answers in this room. So come come next time and we'll see what we can learn about each other. So... This morning, the title is Where the Light Gets In. And last week, we talked about the ways that God impacted the world. We called that Ground Zero. And most notably, there's the impact through the work accomplished as a result of the life and sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And work that is still being accomplished today on your behalf. Still today, he sits on the right hand of God on your behalf, interceding with prayers and, and words and, and, um, and guiding the spirit that guides us. And we were reminded that we are called to follow not only Jesus' words and God's words, but as an example by making an impact ourselves in the world around us. And as with anything we attempt, sometimes we will find success and sometimes not so much. And I'd shared a statistic in the past that it often takes a person seven times or about seven times of hearing the good news or being invited into a relationship, or even sometimes just seven times even getting to get into a church before they may accept or make a decision for Christ. Seven times, okay? So it may seem like a lot, but maybe, maybe that's not. Sherry will tell you that she only has to ask me three times to do something before I finally do it. And that's actually down from five, two years ago. <coughs> my parents could recount time in my youth and they've got their own number for me. But we may never know if our temps are gonna be the first, and we're just opening that door a little bit, or the fifth and we're, we're about to crack it open a little bit, or we're the seventh one. You know, we're the one that's there when when a decision is made. Okay? Or, or, you know, um, it may be the person who scores the last point. Here's my only sports football reference for the day. Um, It's the person that scores the last point, and they say, that person won the game. But is that true? Every point along the way made a difference, right? So when someone has made a decision to follow Christ, and you were somewhere along that path, even if you weren't there when they said today's the day or got baptized or whatever they did that, that proclaimed it, if you were there somewhere along the way, maybe planting a seed, maybe just being an example, and you don't even know it, let me tell you that there's a celebration in heaven for that person. That's scriptural. The Bible says that. There's a celebration in heaven for that person, and that means they're applauding you for your efforts too. Now even God, with all of his power and wisdom that he has, he doesn't make his impression on us in a single attempt, does he? Now he could swoop down and, and take care of it and just, boom, you know, we're going to do it my way. But he doesn't do it that way. And I'm not saying he couldn't, but if we're completely honest, we could all think about time in our life when, when we weren't quite doing things God's way or he wanted us to do something and we were just a little bit hesitant. And, uh, and we got to learn a lesson from our mistake. We may not even notice the consequences right away, Perhaps we never did, but scripture tells us that our sin and disregard for our Heavenly Father and His will in our lives creates a little bit of a space between us. And we know that the Apostle Paul and his efforts to make an impact for God's kingdom here on earth. And and he had heard that some of his very of the very people that he had been ministering to, that he had taught in Galatia, they're already getting well, let's just say they were distracted. Okay? And so he hears this and he's he's you know, he's already got him pumped up and he started, he's established the church. And, and he's, he hears that they're already doing other things, worshiping other things, and, and just things that they were taught not to do. So he sends this letter, and let's, let's listen to it. It's from Galatians 1.6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay? He goes on later in Galatians 4.8.9. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now, do you get this? He says, your relationship with Jesus has set you free from the sins. You don't have to wonder what's right and pursue these false gods. And he said, how soon you forgot? How long am I gone and you're already turning back to your old ways? Do you really want to be enslaved to that again? And the book of Galatians, especially five, um, is about freedom. It's about freedom. And that's where we find, you know, you're called to be free, but don't use your freedom for your own selfish ways. And and, and there's this double-edged sword of free will, right? It says we have the ability and actually the responsibility, which is the double-edged part, to make choices that literally save our lives. This does not guarantee that we'll make the correct one. It doesn't. And I have to wonder if Paul was surprised. You know, he did use the word astonished. He said, I'm astonished that you've already quickly forgotten. Or maybe he was hurt or disappointed. I mean, he invested time and energy in teaching them. He thought he had them on the right path. But like so many times, we we get started and we get distracted. Or maybe he was just plain mad. And I wonder what the Greek word for you big dummy is. Okay, I'll try harder next time. (laughs) (laughs) The truth is that God created within us a need to have a relationship with him. And, and if we don't know him, we try to fill this God-shaped and God-sized hole that we have within us, okay? And as you can imagine, only God fits in it, not things, not relationships, not titles. They, they, they fill it, but they fill a spot where God belongs so they can kind of take his place, which is bad, obviously, but it never fits right. And you just, it's not quite the happiness you know you're intended. And this distraction, lock, lack of focus on God is, is not new. It's not new to us. It wasn't even new to the people of Galatia. Let's go back to the very first man, Adam. Genesis 3.9. Okay? Now he's already eaten the forbidden fruit and he's, he's suddenly aware, suddenly aware of, of what's going on. He had the, this knowledge that he wasn't intended to have. And God was looking in the, in the, in the garden for him. This is, again, Genesis 3.9-10. But the Lord called to the man. He says, where are you? And he answered him, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now he hid. He hid from God. That must be the worst game of hide-and-seek ever. God knows all, sees all. He's got this advantage. We all kind of know how that worked out for Adam. You don't hide from God. You don't get to. It's impossible. But haven't we tried to hide things from God, or more accurately, have we tried to hide something from him, if not ourselves, then whatever this is—this choice, this mindset—even if it's something small like a, an anger or resentment—we hold on to. We can kind of say, "Yeah, you know, this is my thing." I know God says love everybody, but I'm going to hold on to this. Listen to what David says about this. This is in Psalm 139. He says, "You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar." You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Now, don't these words bring comfort? Maybe. God sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're doing and what you're thinking. Fantastic, right? This is God's promise. They should bring comfort. Isn't it good to know that God is always with you and that He understands you, even when you don't quite understand yourself or what's going on? And this concept was the heart of everything we prayed for earlier as we're asking for His blessing and healing and peace in response to our prayer requests. We talk because we know God is with us. So sometimes, if you get that uneasy feeling when I say God knows what you're doing, where you've been, what you've been thinking, And you get a little uneasy feeling. I'm not trying to look at anybody in particular, so pardon me. Um, (laughs) You know, because you're taking God with you someplace that you, you know you shouldn't be. Either literally shouldn't be, or intellectually shouldn't be in your mind, or emotionally shouldn't be. And that's the spirit within you convicting you, okay? This discomfort is a part of God's way of saying, whoa. And it's step one in this promise that says, I will provide a way out of your temptations. Remember that? You're going through nothing that not all people have gone through before. I'm paraphrasing. And he says, and I will give you a way out. This is step one. That uneasy feeling, that's step one. That's your chance to go, whoa. But we don't always listen to it, do we? The truth is that God can find you in the darkness that exists outside of his will. And he will call you back into his presence every time. He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. The prophet Isaiah wrote this in 55.7 let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Okay, saying let the bad people set that stuff aside. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Now this is scripture. This is God's word, which means it's a promise. He does not lie, does not change his mind. He's saying when you, if you, when you forsake your ways and you turn from your unrighteous thoughts, he will have mercy on you. And he will freely pardon you. And did you catch that? It wasn't just their ways. It was also their thoughts. We were advised in 2 Corinthians 10.5 to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Okay, put those thoughts out of your head. And to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So says you're responsible for that. You, God knew, because he invented us, he created us, he said you can't stop thinking about something by just not thinking about it. Something's got to fill that hole. So what you need is to take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, I've shared with you that I meet every week with some guys for breakfast, and this is a common topic of discussion for us because even on our best days, sometimes we get a little in our heads, right? Um, And we found more success, not when we beat ourselves up for making a mistake. Okay, that's part of our accountability and say, I really messed up this week. I didn't do this or I did this and shouldn't have. But we found that when we capture that second thought boy, I really lost my temper with so-and-so. Okay, but what did you do next? You can't take that back. And that, the voice that says, you're a bad person, you're making bad choices, da 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 that's not from God. God and the Spirit are the ones saying, okay, whoa, stop. Apologize if you need to apologize, get a grip on yourself, and forgive yourself too. So when we practice obedience to His commandments such as this, He rescues us every single time. Colossians 1:13 for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He pulls us out of those places that we try to take him to with us. And he says I can't go there, and I'm not going to let you go there either. So, so face me and let me get you back on track. And when we turn back towards him and give him the space in our lives that truly belongs to him, some light gets into our life. John 15:5 you'll recognize this verse. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That is living in the light, being in conjunction with Jesus and being the one that bears fruit because of what we're connected to. 1 John 2, 3-6 We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. It's fulfilled. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And that is living in the light. Hebrews eleven six. 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them who earnestly seek him. Seeking God is living in his light and letting it in. Have you ever been in a room or even a movie theater and all of a sudden the lights come up suddenly? The light's on. It doesn't ease in. And what happens? I mean, you're surprised, you're a little uncomfortable, maybe get a little anxious or it's a little blinding. But in the same way, spiritually, sometimes we get, when we pull ourselves into God's light or He shines on us when we aren't ready and He goes, okay, this is something that's not right. We can be a little uncomfortable with what's exposed. But if you think about it, there's a relief that comes from not being in the dark anymore. Even if what you see isn't what you want to see, there's some comfort in knowing that now you can see what's actually there. And that's what God does. He, he has a light. He knows, as David said, he knows your heart and your words and your mind. He knows where you're going and where you've been. He keeps track of all of those details and he shines a light on it, not to beat you down, but to lift you up. Okay? And God blesses those who let his light into their lives. Ecclesiastes 2.26, To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, it gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, chasing after the wind. James 1.5, it uses similar words. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So living in light means that God's giving you some wisdom. What do you think that means? You can shout out if you know or I'll God-given wisdom, what is that? Good thoughts? Understanding? If you go into Matthew 13, 11 through 13, someone asked him, "Why, teacher, why do you speak in parables and stories not everybody understands? And this is what he answers. He says, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and whoever will have an abundance, whoever does not have, even when, they have what will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. I'm not talking about the churchy words like grace and, and, and these other things that people don't fully understand if they're not in the word. I'm talking about some of these true concepts of what does it mean to love thy neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Right? And these are things we still struggle with. Even if we think we understand and we're still struggling to do it right, He's saying, I, they don't understand because they aren't capable. They haven't opened up to let this light in that says, I know what loving another person looks like. I know who my neighbor is. I know what true forgiveness is. I know what true hope is. I know what the truth is. Okay? When you light the light in, not only do you get this wisdom, but you get to see the path to salvation, the path to hope and to peace. Matthew six thirty three through to 4. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, that's not comforting at all. <laughs> but God never promised life would be easy. I mean, these are our prayer requests today, we heard, not easy, but he said, I'll be with you in all of this. Okay, I know what's going on. I'm with you. Don't worry about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow. Let's work on today together. Matthew seven, seven through ten, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. He's saying, if you open the door, if you ask God to open the door to let this light in, God will respond accordingly. It was like that series we did on on faith. Far-flung faith, we called that. And God will give you a little bit, but he asks you to step out a little further because now the stuff that you were doing in faith, you don't have to do in faith because you know God will get me through this. So he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test your faith just a little bit more. And you got to step out a little more. And sometimes he makes you step first, right? Remember he, he said, step in the water and then it'll part. Okay, he didn't part the water first. I think that's really important. Sometimes we stand there waiting for God to get things out of our way. And it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we have to step in the water. Sometimes we have to tell the mountain to move. And it'll move. One of the things we should be seeking and asking for, and, and get ready, this is one of those risky prayers, is for opportunities to introduce someone to God and ask him to let his light shine in their lives too, especially through us. Now each one of us is not only called to this, but is also equipped to do this. And listen to the words from 1 Corinthians twelve, seven, eleven. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines now don't make this your wish list of superpowers you want from the spirit what it's saying is god and the spirit have given you specific gifts talents and abilities and you may not even understand what those are some people are eloquent speakers but remember what paul said he said i'm not an eloquent speaker in fact, if I was, it would lose meaning because when I speak now, you know it's God talking because I can't talk as well as, as, as he's got me using my words. Okay, He's used people that stutter, literally, to, to deliver a message. He, he's given each one of you, including me, a certain gift that you may or may not have discovered yet. It could be through service. It could be through leading. It could be through teaching. It could be one of a, a, a many things. And the Spirit is distributed to them. Equally, but differently. It's kind of like when you have your children. I love you equally, but not identically. right? Equally, but not identically. And he's saying, use these for him. And he's called us all to do this and equipped us. You remember the scriptural reference from last week's message. It spoke of the candle on a lampstand. right? You don't put it on the floor. You put it on a lampstand to light the whole house. The city on the hill, that's seen. We too must present and represent the light of Christ to the world. We could have the best relationship with him. We could have all of the the biblical knowledge and the joy and hope. But if we sit here like this and do nothing with it, what have we done? Nothing with it. Now I'd argue that that we aren't where we're supposed to be with Jesus and our relationship with him if we've done that. See, the light shines in the darkness. This is from John 1, 5. And the darkness cannot overcome it. It has not overcome it. And you are a light in the darkness. And the light and the darkness cannot and will not overcome it. And that's your testimony to share. So let me share this thought with you in closing. To me, the light shining into my life provides something I can't get anywhere else. It can't be earned. It can't be bought. It can't be stolen and borrowed. But it can be shared. And I am to share it. For me, the light of Christ is hope. Not optimism, because I am optimistic. Not blind faith, not ignorance bliss, but a real hope. Okay? And hope that means I understand the promise. I stand on these promises that everything that Jesus said, everything that God promised to me, I believe in. And that gives me hope. Not a hope the Chiefs are going to win today, which I do. But a hope that says, whatever happens tomorrow I can face. Because I have God and Jesus. And we're on the same team. That's your team too. Let's pray. Father God, we often claim and feel to be in the light. Sometimes we claim and feel like we're in a spotlight. And sometimes that's a comforting feeling. Sometimes it's not so comforting. God, as we let your light into our lives, help us to gain the wisdom and knowledge of what to do with that, how to respond, how to pay that forward and be a light in someone else's life. God, let us never leave this place or any opportunity where we open your word and not be changed for the better because of what we've heard or learned or been revealed to us. God, as we go forward this week, our risky prayer is to seek out, not passively, but actively seek out opportunities to be an example or to point out a light, a hope that exists in someone's life, especially if they don't recognize it for themselves. God, as always, I want to conclude this message and this prayer with a prayer for the empty places in the pews, even though we're larger in numbers this week than even last week. If there's a single spot to sit, it serves as a reminder that says, God, there's room in your house, whether Golden Beach Community Church or another place down the street, but always in a relationship with you, there's room. And let us be ever mindful of that invitation. And whether we're number one, five, seven, or whatever, you celebrate our efforts and the points that we're scoring for your kingdom. God, I ask your blessing over everyone here, everyone who hears this message online, and all those who are traveling away this Sunday. I ask your continued blessing on Golden Beach Community Church and the community and the world it serves. In your name, amen.